Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, Realtor listeners. Today I have Pasha. You know what? I'm not going to try his last name. He told me it beforehand. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And I was like, you know what? I am probably going to butcher it. And so I'm not going to go. So just say Pasha. Pasha is simple. I actually love it. I, I saw you were you're about to get into it and you just deadlined it real quick. I, I was like, oh my gosh, man, I really feel like I'm gonna butcher it. Sometimes I don't do it, but I was like, you know what? Pasha just sounds so eloquent. So Thank we'll you, go with man. Pasha. <laughs> Thanks, Penny. Appreciate that. Co-founder and managing principal for Vote Capital. Thank you, Pasha, for being here today. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to to riff with you and, and get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, so let's I mean, let's talk about it. Evoke Capital, I mean. What's your what's your guys' mission? I mean, if what's the synopsis of Vote Capital? Yeah, man, I'm I'm glad you asked. It it kind of started because just me and my partner were were buying apartment complexes ourselves, and um, it kind of just led into what we want to be doing and kind of the yields we're chasing. And then right now, uh, it's grown. Our, our it's obviously grown, and now we want to be the go-to uh, for secondary and uh, treasury markets for mobile home parks. And just be the the niche operators for those parks that most people kind of just stay away from, like institutional players stay away from. Um, but most mom and pop buyers, uh, and we stay above kind of their price range. So we're kind of carving out this little slice of this pie in the Midwest for us, uh, which has been yielding some really good results. It, it's so funny. I mean, I'm based out of Southern California, and people have this, I, I think, a negative connotation toward mobile home parks. But I mean, yeah. the value is there. I mean, especially if you're, I mean, on a smaller scale, an investor renovating and reselling, I mean, lower margins, lower barrier entry. So it's, it's, it's easy to get your foot in the door. I mean, I, no, I totally agree with you. Um, oh, sorry, you said? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's, that's something I've always uh, taken along with my career and whatever uh, avenue I was in is I always go where there's less competition and where there's higher yields. And so I love that there's a stigma on it because once you get in there, you realize the stigma was just it comes from movies that you watch and you watch the most the worst movies right about it and when you do it you just realize they're all blue collared citizens i mean obviously you have a, a some bad riffraff like you that is something so the operations up front is a little bit more tedious um but once you turn it around and you stabilize it and you get good tenants in there man it's it's awesome it's just cash machine in my opinion so, I mean, and I don't know if you're able to talk it or we have to get it. We don't get necessarily specifics, but if you can, it'd be fantastic. I mean, if if 50,000, I mean, what's someone's return usually looking like and how long of a, a hold time? Yeah. So uh, in all of our syndication deals, if you invest 50,000, our IRRs are always on average 20 to 23%, which is higher than you're getting anywhere else in apartment complexes. But again, we're dealing with less competition, less sophisticated mom and pop sellers, um, we're, we pride ourselves on operations and, and being expert in operations, and we're already cash flowing out the gate. So we're not reinventing the wheel. We're our, and we give an eight prefs, and we're usually matching that almost every single time right out the gate year one. Um, and so the way we model it out is we're not just trying to get in there, raise the equity. Actually, let me make that up. We're not trying to just flip it really quickly and sell it. We are trying to go in there, get the equity up as fast as possible, we're going to refi. We always uh, pro forma for year five, typically around year three or four, we can do that, 
get the investors all back their money, and then we want to keep it long term. So we want to build wealth sl uh, slowly, right? Um, and I understand why syndicators actually sell. It's so much easier on the operator, so much easier on us on the back end. But we're in the belief that we would just want to keep mobile home parks. We want to keep cash flowing. We want to recycle our money as fast as possible. Makes sense. I mean, yeah. well, let's rewind, Pasha, to a, to a young Pasha. I mean, was <laughs> he into financing? Was he into the real estate game, lending game? I mean, who, who was young Pasha growing up? G give me like an age so I okay. can like answer. Go, go, go teens, early teens. Let's my start, teens? Oh, man, my teens. You know what? I think I've always innately known I always wanted to be in real estate. I always had this goal, and in, in my teen brain, I was like, if I own 100 units in an apartment complex, I'm set for life, right? Like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm golden. I know I picked that up from my father because every time I was driving around with him, my, like, little Persian father would always be like, oh, I should have bought, like, that house. It was, like, only 50K. Now it's a million. And, oh, I should have bought this. And, you know, and so I think I just picked up his dream because he sacrificed everything for us. Um but I wasn't really thinking about that in my teenage years, even a little bit older. Um, I knew I wanted to build something for myself, but I was just so much in my own way that I, I couldn't even, I didn't even have the like the fathom where I could be now. Well, now you had the idea, the want to get there, right? Bigger picture. What were you actually doing? I guess, I mean, late teens, was it, I mean, nine to five job? What, what was your yeah. life like? It's actually, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, it's definitely different than I would say most. It's a little unique in the sense that right after I graduated high school, I went to college for one semester and, and like essentially probably a few weeks of that semester and realized I can't do this. I am not good at school and this is not the path for me. So I dropped out really quickly. I took odd, odd jobs like waitering. I was part of like an internet center. And then in around 2004, my brother... In fact, won a really big poker tournament, like a $1.4 million poker tournament. He didn't even tell us. He retired. My father loved that. Like, it was an awesome story. And I was like, well, crap. I mean, it's my brother. So if he could do it, I could do it, right? Like, so then I just started playing poker with my friends for small amounts, like 20 bucks, 40 bucks. Um, I got hooked, man. I loved everything about it. My ADD brain was able to play chess with poker and actually win money and and I love the social aspect of it. I was like, this is this is awesome. Um, so I just got to, started getting really into it. Obviously, I had my brother to um, help me out with that and talk strategy. And I got really good really quickly. Um, and back then, I do have to say, everyone else sucked so badly. Um, and so, you know, that took me on till about 25 years old, where I, I played pretty professionally, traveled the world, um, and had a lot of fun with it. You travel the world, so I'm assuming you were at least making some money, or you basically got a lot of debt. What was? Yeah. It? So here's here's the crazy thing because it's so foreign to me how I was then to now when it comes yeah. to finances. I made really good money, but I blew it as fast as I made it. Mm. I would build up a bankroll and then I would blow it all in one night after like two three months of saving. I was so incredibly disciplined in what I do, how I played, and, and, and all these different aspects of my life that I would just self-explode one night and then lose like 150% of my net worth and then have to climb my way out of it. And I did that repeatedly over the last, over like the 21 to 25 years old. So yeah, I was traveling. I always had money. I never wanted anything. And I, you know, 
could live a lifestyle that I don't think any other college student could. Um, but I never saved a dollar of it, which is pretty horrible. Now, what transition or what happens at that 25-year-old 20, uh, uh, Pasha? Yeah, uh, I get chills always thinking about it. 25 years old, the day I turned 25, and he is, I'm in my uh, condo with my living with my ex-girlfriend, who I did not like whatsoever at the time. We weren't speaking at all. And I just realized I was dead broke at that time. I was miserable. I did not like any of my friends. I don't like my path. I was I was I was depressed, man. Like I hated it. And I just said, enough is enough. And I have to start taking life more seriously. If I want to build something, I've really got to put in some effort and uh, outside of poker. Because I knew this wasn't at that time that I knew this path wasn't for me. Um, and so I got serious about life. I moved to Las Vegas. Luckily, I got into this emotional intelligence course that completely changed my life. I was in there for two years. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, and then I looked at my life and I just said, well, like this feels good. Like I'm learning so much about myself. Let me stay in here for two years and not really take on the financial, um, like success and careers wise. Now, let me get my emotions, my emotional intelligence, my personal development to become part of me. And then let me go explode my results in, in my real life. Right. So at that time I was, uh, had some odd jobs here and there, played a little poker to survive. Um, but really, it was just personal development for two years. What do you pick up from those two years of personal development? Dude, I don't think we have enough time. Truly yeah. and honestly, I, don't, I, I really, and I mean that wholeheartedly because who I was before that course and to who I am now, who I am now is what I created out of that course. I was a very antisocial for the most part. Uh, guy dead broke with not not a lot of good discipline not a like strong vision and in that course uh, or in that two-year span I really let people in met my wife started my real estate career path really found out what I liked who I was in the personality because I was always so withdrawn as well too I would back in when I was 21 to 25 I would always rely on like drinking to to loosen up and show myself um, in all my aspects so really, it was just a complete 180, and it was cool because I was able to truly create what who I wanted and then practice that and reinforce that pattern over and over again to who I am today. Now, you, you said that you basically started your real estate path in that window of time. Yep. What, what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> so I knew I wanted to be a real estate investor. I knew I wanted to get into... Uh, owning homes or apartment complexes eventually. And so at, at that time, uh, I knew I, I wanted to start flipping houses. I went and interned for a family friend of ours, I, three months of interning for him, learning the systems, learning how to flip homes from auction site on scene. Took that back to Las Vegas, got my license um, and started, I just wanted the education, um, but started selling some homes as a broker um, built up some capital along with poker to go flip my first home, which actually was a mobile home park or mobile home in a park, uh, made every mistake in the world, but I still made $3,000. And then it was just off to the races. I fell in love with everything about it. Um, and then that's, that's what happened. So you, you took basically the knowledge from that, that one company and then kind of, um, kind of went on your own. 
from there? Yep, absolutely. I always knew I wanted to do it on my own. Um, and so I did. I, I flipped that first one. I ended up flipping about, I want to say with the JV deals that I had within the next like three, three and a half years, about 50 flips. Because I was just hustling. I was just working as hard as I could. Were, were you building, I mean, were you reinventing the wheel with like different network of people of different investors? I mean, uh, same tactics. I mean, what was your process of transitioning from working underneath them to working on your own? Yeah, so he taught me all the processes, so I knew I wasn't reinventing the wheel at all. I just basically copy and pasted what he was doing on a much smaller scale because he was buying uh, sight unseen at auctions in LA, and I went to Las Vegas and I was able to pick up homes for about fifty to seventy thousand and flip them. I'd spend about fifteen thousand on each remodel, and I was making anywhere at that time about like twenty to thirty percent on each flip. Um, but then the margins started getting tighter and tighter. And then the laws in Vegas started changing before I moved to Los Angeles, started developing. Where were you finding? I mean, I think that's for probably a lot of people getting, and I know we're going to talk bigger, more about the, the capital, the sure. capital later on. But I think for a lot of people that are looking to get into the investor game, right? It's finding the right people because you get the right contractor, you're screwed. You get the right, the wrong hard money person, you're screwed. I mean, if you get the wrong deal, you don't do the numbers right, you're screwed. I mean, so how were you making sure you had the right people surrounding you when you're yeah. going forward with these uh, deals. I think you, you said something really, really prevalent here is that if you ever expand your number, I was super conservative on all my numbers. I, yeah. I would wait months if I had to in the beginning when I started trying to buy homes. I was just more conservative. I'll just, I'll find the deal. And as I got more experience, I got more comfortable with loosening up my my numbers because I know actually what would cost, what would not. And there's no good formula, man contractors are hard because they're good for the first two deals and then they start to over uh, over um, charge on some deals but it was a constant flow i mean you just meet people when you're in the thing you put up craigslist ads you try to find contractors you go to seminars you go to meetings you always try to find your your crew and your essentially the same staff that you go to all the time but it's it's not easy unless you have your own crew running and and then now you're you're getting success off it things are progressing when did the idea of a vote capital or an idea of helping other people be a part of this by them investing funds into future projects? Yeah, that's a good question because after I started flipping homes in Vegas, I moved to Los Angeles and started developing. Again, That I flipped my first home and I realized I'm such a small fish in a big pond here, but there's not a lot of people developing in this one area in Highland Park and Mount Washington, which blew up in the last six years. So I went with there's less competition and a harder headache and I solved those and I did very well for myself. Um, and I always essentially was a lone wolf in everything that I've done. Um, but it really kind of came down to the fact that I, in mobile home park space, there's this niche here that we have and a time period about three to five years, I believe, that people are starting to really attack mobile home parks more, right? And so... Once I bought my first few and I realized these are bigger cash cows than my apartment complexes and I bought my apartment complex out of steel, I thought, and not a lot of people know about mobile home parks. I just said, I got to attack this as hard as possible. And because of that, I've already built out a team. Um, I have a, like a lead generation pipeline. And I said, I don't want to turn off that. I want to keep attacking these and I'd rather have something better than nothing. Um, and then this is how it's grown really. 
from so you're you're kind of expanding your find your positivity things are growing i mean were you at the beginning stages of it? Were you allowing other people to invest in this? Or was this something that you still, because I mean, you probably had basically hard money people or the set people coming through. I mean, when did the idea of allowing those people to, or I guess friends or family to invest with you? Yeah, it only really kind of came after I, I, I bought a few parks and I, I found a really good deal. And I just said, I'm out of money. I have some other development deals that are selling off, but I just don't want to wait. And so then that was the, when the idea of friends and family came in to the, into the fold. And I was very nervous about it at first. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm so particular about other people's money and I get so careful. Um, but once I did it, I started to realize, um, how great it is because now I have my friends and family actually thanking me for it when they're getting their distributions. Like this is really cool. And, and then the, the dual effect of it was like, wow, I'm a really good steward for their money. And so like when I took my friends and family's money, I was like, oh, I could ruin a lot of friendships here, <laughs> a lot of, you know, family bonds here, but it ended up working out for the best. And, you know, I trust myself. I know my numbers. And so, and it's been, it's been wonderful actually. So we've now syndicated four deals and we're, we're about to launch a fund pretty soon actually. Well, I mean, now I'm guessing it's, I mean, it seems like at least with a boat capital, that you opened it up farther than your sphere, you know what I mean, in the past. Yep. So is there a difference from working with people you have kind of a track record with, or at least a kind of a, a connection with compared to random Joe Blow that's looking to invest in this opportunity? Yeah, there's a huge difference, right? Because my friends and family, they've been wanting to invest with me for years. And so they, were, they essentially said, sure, no problem, how much? Where should I wire it? Essentially, I was like, no, 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 no. Let me like back up. Let me show you what you're buying. <laughs> like, you know, I had to like back it up. So that was a really cool piece of feedback. And with anybody that's new, um, I really just get to, I, I like to enjoy uh, teaching them about mobile home parks because any pitch deck I do, I, I go and I explain why I love it. Why, what was my journey here? But I mean, you have all different kinds of investors, right? And so all different kinds of kinds of questions and all different kinds of concerns and different aspects to come by. And it has been really fun identifying patterns of investors and, you know, like what kind of categories investors are in and what kind of questions they're going to ask, what they're going to want to know. Um, and I love teaching it. So, I mean, there's been some special people, let's just put it that way. Um, and so it is what it is. What are those, um, I guess, generalities, those characteristics, if you had to like define a couple of those different investors like you're talking about, what kind of categories yeah. would you put the different ones in and how would you describe those people? Yeah, there's some that are just, they, you know, let's say like you, you tend to find out what people's priorities are. Some are just all about how do they make their money back as fast as possible? How safe is their investment? How fast is it going to grow? Um, What's the market like? You, you can really tell who's the more aggressive investor, who's the more conservative investor, who's who gets tied up over, you know, the smallest minute details and forget about the big picture of things, you know. And so there's just so many different categories that you can put different investors in. But also it goes along with like the personal development. There's some there's some investors who um, just want to know and the reputation of the team. And that's what's important to them. Some want to get into the nitty gritty details about the financials, which 
what that's what's important to them. Um, and some also want to know about, you know, how are we protecting our tenants? Because there's a lot of uh, syndicators out there who will go and just jack up the rents by 100%. So I think a lot of investors do enjoy the fact that we will never do that, you know, and so we'll raise it marginally and we can still make our numbers happen because of that. So you just kind of tell, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's priorities are different. What I mean, I know it's relatively a newer, newer business. And what have, has the uh, the biggest struggle or biggest um, headache that you've had to kind of deal with and kind of growing your brand? You know, I think there's there's quite a few, but that's the the joy of building businesses, right? It's it's like quite fun. Um, you know, because we're dealing with a lot of mom and pop sellers. I think they think we're just some California Joe Schmoes who have a bunch of money and are just buying. And so they just think they can get one over on us or, you know, try to fudge the numbers up a little bit. And we notice a lot of that of like, and so one of the biggest feedbacks we get from brokers are we're the most diligent uh, uh, operators that they've ever worked with because we really get into the nitty gritty and that we think the, the math and the numbers always tell a story, but you know, at the end of the day, it's always come down to can you find deals, right? And not getting ahead of ourselves. And and that's really key because it's so easy in the mobile home park space to get ahead. There's a lot of operators that would go and find these properties and they see the value add. It's a bunch of infills. But what people don't realize that infills are actually quite difficult to, to fill. And But they see the big pop. They see the big equity play at the end once they're able to refi. And they don't budget right. I know a lot of operators in this, you know, last 16 months that I've talked to have scaled massively quick. And now they cannot infill all their properties because they don't know their tenants. They don't, they just don't understand them. And they just think they're going to go buy all these uh, new uh, manufactured homes and then sell it to tenants when most tenants don't have that kind of money to do it. So we have a whole different model and we, we're growing slower than everybody else, but we're growing organically and and we have uh, one determination. The deal has to make sense. And then everything else we do to build equity is just an added plus. And so, but other operators, things have to go right. And if we find a deal and we've passed on many, many deals and it hurts sometimes that the deal is super juicy, but everything has to go right. And that's not who we are. No, it makes sense. I mean, if you, I mean, I know... <laughs> I know you live in California, but uh, in the Midwest, but in California, when you're talking about everything has to go right, especially when you're talking about uh, environmental stuff. Yeah, that can be a, a very painstaking uh, situation they have to deal with. Um, Absolutely. Talking about growth and talking about your your growth over the, the next five years, and right now the the manu the mobile home kind of communities is basically maybe undervalued or um, not seen in the same light as maybe other developments. Do you see that changing? And how would your company, Vogue Capital, change in the next five years to either capitalize or capitalize on new markets or whatever it might be? Yeah, I mean, we're going to, we get asked this a lot, yeah. <laughs> like actually surprisingly a lot of like, what's next for you guys? Yeah. And we're going to stick to what we know as of now. We will I will go chase yields elsewhere if we see that everything is dry, like dries up and it probably will, right? Because what's happening is more players like myself 
more institutional money is coming in, big players, and they're going to be buying up these properties and be better operators, these mom and pop sellers. I don't know what's next for us. We're going to keep doing this. Our future plan is, you know, we're a little under a thousand units right now, and we want to get up to at bare minimum 10,000 lots, but we really want to carve a, a space out um, for Evo Capital to be the go-to niche operators for secondary and tertiary markets where most people just don't want to operate in because it has its own set of problems. But I'm a firm believer the more problems and headaches you solve, the more you should get rewarded for it. Definitely. If yeah. someone's listening right right now, Basha, and they're looking to get more information about Evo Capital, see if it'd be a good opportunity for them to invest in or just get more yeah. information about yourself, what's the best way then going forward? Yeah, you can... You can find me on LinkedIn at Pasha Svandiari um, and or you can just go to our website. There's a form out there that you want to sign on evocapital.net. You know, and one thing that uh, I would really highly recommend, this is the last year to uh, take advantage of the 100% depreciation that we're able to get on our cost seg reports. And so I do see a lot of people coming into the mobile home park space. Not only is their investment good, but they're also getting the 100% depreciation, which is uh, almost 2x what you would get in an apartment complexes or other commercial real estate right now. Oh. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Pasha, for, for being here today. I'm going to finish off with just one last question. What's a bigger thrill? Is it finishing a development opportunity or winning a very, very big pot at poker? <laughs> it's, it's, it's winning a really, really big pot at poker. Yeah. Yeah. Because in a development deal, you know, it's coming like it's you've been prepared for it. Sometimes in, in the poker game, you don't know if you won. Right. Yeah. And you flip over the cards. and You're like, yes. Hell yeah. You know. So is there any is there anything that gives you that same thrill in real estate uh, relative to that? That thrill you get in flipping over the hand and winning a big pot? Um, something that comes close to it is is scaling the business. I, I like building the business. And in, I love hiring new employees we just hired three new employees and i'm so stoked about it because uh i treat like i don't know i just love having people in my life and being a steward of them and having them grow and i set make them set goals and i make them invest and you know for all my employees I'm, i want to know what they want to accomplish that that brings me a lot of joy of helping others it always has and always will be hmm. i don't think i would ever guess that well thank you pasha again for being here Hopefully everyone listening got some great nuggets right there. Go into the show notes. You'll see Evoke Capital's website. Really smooth, really smooth website. You can look at the portfolio. You can see everything they do there. Um, please subscribe, please share, and go find Pasha. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.